Because that's when shit started booming, bro. I love booms, bro. Feel free to cut out me saying, bro. That was embarrassing. (laughs) Not only am I going to leave that in, I'm going to... I'm going to leave in the fact that you wanted it cut out. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds good to me. Biggest dicks in history. Welcome, everyone, to the inaugural episode of The Biggest Dicks in History, where Dustin and I will be discussing exactly that. Not physical dicks, not the, uh, you know, the hanger off the front of you if you're a dude. We are going to be discussing social dicks, people who are just terrible, terrible people. Well, we're also going to be discussing the physical dicks as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a lot of information about my guy's dick, but I can talk about my dick. But I don't know if anyone wants to hear about that. I do. How's it hanging? Uh, short. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is straight out. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, it's not even hanging. It's, <laughs> a, it's, like, a, it's like a, it's like a shelf. It's rock it's like hard. Birds perching on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, to get started, uh, both of us in this uh, podcast series will have a person who we have chosen as a total dick, following different themes as we go. For our first theme, we have decided to go with something that's always great, inventors. So, Dick Inventors. Uh, Did you want to go first, Dustin, and tell us all about your big old dick? (laughs) Or would you like me to go? I would love to. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, So, I'm going to be talking about Thomas Edison. I haven't heard of this guy. Oh, no. He's he's not very well known, but... Okay. And he didn't invent anything of worth. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll just start from the beginning. He was born in February 1847 in Ohio. Uh, His family, shortly after that, moved to Michigan, and that's where he spent most of his childhood. He was homeschooled. He never went to any formal schooling, never went to college. He also didn't speak until he was four years old, and that's when he really started being a dick. Um, (laughs) He just just straight up like it. His first words were like, Mom, you're a bitch! Yeah. You're... <laughs> I know what you're doing when Dad's not home. Diddle <laughs> in the mailman! <laughs> um, but he, his neighbor had geese, and he uh, sat on his neighbor's geese eggs to see if he could hatch the eggs himself. And instead, just ended up cracking all of them. And murdering geese, basically. He yeah. murdered baby geese. When he was a baby. Like, that's how... <laughs> He's just a dick. Toddler on toddler. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> manslaughter. So, um, species, 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 No, that sounds like something you put up your butt. Oh yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> um, <laughs> at six years old, he burned his family's barn down just to see what would happen. Uh, his father ended up hitting him in public. Um, you know, for the injustice, but at six years old, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to set this bitch on fire. (laughs) The flames went up higher and higher. (laughs) Burn, motherfucker burn. Motherfucker burn. (laughs) Oh, so in 1857, so that's ten years later, when he was ten, they moved to Michigan. 
and two years later, he got a job on the railroad as a newsboy. Ooh. So, he was selling newspapers, um, and he ended up selling his own newspaper that he made on the train, as well as reselling goods that he bought in towns and, like, traveling on the railroad and selling them elsewhere. Which He's is a flim-flam man. Illegal! Yeah, that, that's <laughs> something uh, not a lot of people might realize about uh, Edison when he was younger. Now, I should have mentioned, the only reason I know anything about Edison, really, besides the fact that he's an asshole, is my mother's side of the family claims that we are related to Edison. But uh, Edison, what, when he's younger days, he was a flimflam man. He would, yeah, make, make little, little sale, shady sales deals here and there to make cash. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's a very good description of how he was, especially as a young child. He set up his own chemistry lab on the train, which resulted in a fire eventually, and he was thrown <laughs> out at the very next stop. The driver conductor was like, yeah, I've had enough of you. Uh, goodbye. Uh, but he was rehired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't want you kind of around here. But he was shortly... This is the one, yeah, messed up trains. This is a serious train. <laughs> <laughs> you can sell your stuff elsewhere, you little prick. <laughs> <laughs> but he was rehired shortly after that, and uh, he got really into telegraphy. And um, after years of kind of teaching himself, he became a telegrapher and worked for the trains. Not like for the trains themselves, but like for <laughs> <laughs> for the train companies. But his job was to signal conductors if there was an oncoming train. Okay. And because he was doing so much research and experimenting on his own, uh, he fell asleep while he was supposed <laughs> to be doing this job. And luckily, the two conductors saw each other, but there were two trains coming right for each other that he was supposed to signal, saying, you're about to hit another fucking train. Yeah. Well, in, in, in case people don't know, it, trains back then weren't like trains nowadays. They needed these people to help time the tracks so that other trains could get by. So when these two trains had to stop so no one could get by, that fucked up other trains. And then those trains <laughs> fucked up other trains. So by one telegrapher just falling asleep, you have like 30 all... <laughs> and he caused, I'm assuming, uh, there's no record of this, but I'm assuming he caused an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah, luckily... Nothing happened, and he he didn't even lose his job over that because nothing happened, but it could have been death for many people. Yeah. In 1868, he moved to Boston to work at Western Union as a telegrapher, uh, but he quit a year later to focus on inventing. And this part, you'll have to forgive me because I don't do a perfect 1800s New Jersey accent. <laughs> but this is how he proposed to Mary Stilwell, his first wife. Well, little girl, what do you think? Do you like me? Don't be in a hurry about telling me. It doesn't matter much, unless you'd like to marry me. Oh, I mean it. Don't be in a rush, though. Think it over. Talk to your mother about it. Let me know when it's convenient. Say Tuesday. How would Tuesday seem? Next Tuesday, I mean. And she said yes the next day. <laughs> he I mean that sounded like a little kid <laughs> you know when like little kids play marriage like that's what that sounded like yeah that's I don't know I guess I, that's just how I imagine him sounding um, <laughs> I think he was 
24-ish, and she was 16, I believe. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's all kosher, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, back then. It's no. crazy. <laughs> I'll, I'll touch on it later, but um, yeah, Edison had a very full life. Oh, and considering she was only 16, he had a very full life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> full of... You know, they went, out eat, they went out to eat a lot. Yeah, with the, she ate the jizz. <laughs> so she said yes to his proposal the next day one month later they were married and and the day they got married they got married and then thomas went back to his lab and spent literally the rest of the, the night there fell asleep in the lab someone woke him up and he was like oh shit what time is it oh i guess i better get back home to my wife but his wife became accustomed to this um, she slept with a pistol under her pillow because she never felt safe because her husband was never around to protect her. <laughs> Whenever she would have parties, he wasn't required to go because he was pretty much just in his lab all the time. Um, they had three children together, one of which was Thomas Edison Jr., and eventually he made his son legally change his name because he didn't invent anything noteworthy, and he was selling um, quack medicine. He was a snake oil salesman, huh? Yeah. Oh, and, man. And so Thomas Edison was like, yeah, about that name of yours, uh, <laughs> you're going to have to change it. There can only be one flim flam man in this family. <laughs> <laughs> and not manage me. <laughs> Drinking to Alan Rickman. <laughs> I am Thomas Edison. <laughs> Turn to page 394. <laughs> All right, so that is our Thomas Edison, huh? Flim Flam Man, jerk telling his kids to uh, change their names. Yeah, there's much more. Oh. <laughs> uh, in the 1870s, he left New York, Newark, New Jersey lab because he broke his lease, but he told reporters that he was leaving because... And this is a direct quote. I can no longer stand this city with its gassy hospitality, intrusive immaturity of adolescent club people, idiotic journalists, and female men. <laughs> so in 1875, he moved to Menlo Park, New Jersey. Um, this is when he had a huge team working under him. And he always had a team. He's very well known for stealing inventions of his team and when they were in menlo park his team was required to invent something useful every 10 days and something big once a month jeez and the and these are at thomas edison's direction right yeah oh my this god at, what an asshole at edison's lab in menlo park so they worked endless hours six days a week something useful huh like, oh, i invented a thicker pot holder yeah. that's useful can i go home <laughs> Here's a toothpick that tastes like cinnamon. <laughs> that, that guy deserves a goddamn Nobel Prize. True. I tell you. True that. Cinnamon toothpicks. What a concept. Yeah. <laughs> um, his wife, Mary, died at 29 of an accidental morphine overdose. Quote, unquote, accidental, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm... Who knew? And this is probably the most infamous Edison Dick move. And they've actually made a uh, feature film about it recently with pretty huge actors called um, The Currency War, I think it's called. Yeah, Currency War, right? 
They had uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, right? As Tesla? Yep. And uh, Tom Holland's in it. Um, uh, so many other people, I can't remember their name. But uh, yeah, it looks really good. I want to I wanna watch it for show. So, most notoriously, he stole the invention of uh, direct current light bulbs. Uh, a couple years later, he moved the lab to West Orange, New Jersey, and this lab was 30 times larger than the Menlo Park lab. And this lab was unequivocally, at the time, the largest and most well-equipped lab in the world. Wow. Uh, he got that's, a, that's a hell of a feat for that time, though. Yeah. I mean, let, let's stop and think about that. This is, this is back when like t- people, time, and resources were all really hard to get, no matter what you're building. Even if you put up a wood shop across, across town, that was hard to get going. So even though he may have been an a-hole, that's still a hell of a feat to have a big-ass inventor's lab. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think at that time he was worth around $14 million today. Damn. Yeah, he was a he was a wealthy man. He knew how to... What's the word you use? Flimflam? Flimflam. Flimflam, shiggisham, fucking... <laughs> <laughs> at, at 37, he got remarried to a 20-year-old. Her name was Mina. Don't remember her last name. And in 1888... Tesla refined AC alternating current. Which <laughs> alternating current? While 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 you're looking through your notes, there, I'm going to interrupt. But there's a huge deal for the difference between. I, I don't know if you have this as a note. If if you do, please stop me. But DC, which is uh, Edison's jam, that's direct current, which means that the positive and negative never flip. Uh, and then there's AC, which is alternating current, which means the positive and negative flip back and forth because what the generators that are making them are actually like a push-pull system, basically. So it flips the current back forth, back forth, back forth, back forth. Right. So people didn't realize this because Edison was actually really good at pushing DC as a salesman, a flim-flam man. Um, but AC actually can physically go farther when you push it down power line. DC needed a generator like every three blocks. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. And so one of his greatest accomplishments uh, in the beginning of his DC journey was lighting up part of New York City. But how he did that, it was, you're exactly right, he had to have generators every few blocks to do so. And one thing that makes him a huge dick is in his quest to quash alternating current, he electrocuted animals, uh, farm animals, dogs, pigs and even famously a circus elephant, to show how deadly and how dangerous alternating current was. Jeez. And I, I've, I've seen videos of the electrocution of uh, the elephant's name, I believe, was Topsy. Is that correct? I'm not sure. I think it sounds right. Okay, I, I think it was Topsy. Um, now, admittedly, Topsy did trample two or so people, um, <laughs> but she was a circus elephant, and circus elephants were notoriously mistreated, and they were angry. But if you want to see anything as emotionally striking as you can possibly get about the death of an animal, it's on YouTube. Watch the electrocution of Topsy. It is powerful imagery. Wow. Should we, is there auditory elements? Should we pull that up? Uh, there might just be some music over it, but yeah, I mean, it might be good to have your reactions to it. Go ahead and uh, <laughs> hear do, do you want me to pull it up? Yeah, sure. All right, I'll get this going. Feel free to cover notes in the meantime. <laughs> oh. All right. If you feel like you want to, I mean, you don't necessarily. Let's have see. To. So 
so George Westinghouse was actually who Edison was in a battle with over AC and DC because George Westinghouse bought Tesla's patent for alternating current and that path forward with light light bulbs. So yeah, as I've talked about, dogs, horses, farm animals. He also advised the state of New York how to kill convicts with alternating oh. current. Like if that's not such a just like a bold like your shit sucks. Uh, your shit <laughs> can be the answer for the world's worst criminals. <laughs> All right. Do you want to see the death of a poor, poor elephant? All right. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Here we go. So that is Topsy. So I should describe this elephant is standing oh, on a platform. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yep. And you can actually see the metal slates were melted to Topsy's feet as she died. Oh, man. That's... Wow. That was fucking tough to watch. Yeah. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Thanks for that. (laughs) Thank thank you for the nightmares I'll have this evening. (laughs) Oh, that poor elephant. Oh, my God. I fucking hate Edison even more now. (laughs) So, after all that, um, he founded General Electric... It wasn't. It was called something else back then, but I don't remember what. Um, but he left when they voted to pursue to pursue alternating current as opposed to DC. Mm. In eighteen eighty nine, he patented the kinetograph, which was at celluloid strips, essentially moving photographs. Movies, um, <laughs> movies, <laughs> and um, he also bought Thomas Armat's vitascope and branded it with Edison's name, and that's when Edison started to dominate the film industry. And I would say, arguably, Edison's greatest invention was the invention of Hollywood, because he was dominating the East Coast filmmaking, and forced so many people to move west, that that's why so many people settled in L.A. and Hollywood. So, we have... Edison to thank for modern filmmaking, whether we like it or not. Ooh. There's actually a beautiful drunk history episode about um, Edison's theft of the movie industry. It's pretty good. I'll have to check that out. I love drunk history. Yeah, it's pretty great. We should do, we should do an episode where we're just hammered. Oh, you're sober? <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, For the most part, yeah. Yeah, I came home from work today. Of course I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all I have. I do have one more note. Just another dickish thing that he did. In 1920, he said he was developing a phone to talk to the dead. And he did it as a prank. But he had hundreds of people trying to like pre-order this phone that can talk to oh, the dead. And then October 18th, 1931, he died of diabetes. But he died at age 84. Which Jesus! Back then... That's an old man. Yeah. And he was known as an old man since he was in his 20s. Um, well, he looked like an old man in his 20s. You see pictures of him. He was like, he looked like Doc Brown really early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had gray hair um, in his 20s. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's Thomas Edison in a nutshell, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I do have to admit that is a powerful, powerful man that you chose. And Edison does definitely sound like a man who is at least, I mean, eight inches soft. Yeah, at least eight soft, for sure. I'd I'd say, I mean, if if you get him watching a video about clowns, 
I'm I'm saying ten with a half chub. Easy. Oh. I don't know yeah, why I picked clowns, but um, there it is. That's that's your false information for this episode. Tom says, "Hey, there we go." <laughs> and we are we are very good at that false information. Hell We're making yeah. up all of this. None of these people ever existed. <laughs> okay, well, I do have a dick that I would like to slap up against your dick, if that is okay. Please do. All right, I would like to bring to your attention a man so infamous for his views that he is currently trying to be written out of history by people who hate him including the Nobel Peace Prize uh, record keepers wow. do not like this guy so he's still alive I, he is no he is he's very dead oh, oh. thank god <laughs> yeah um yeah he uh yeah but it, i'll get into why i am glad that this fucking dick is dead all right. I would like to introduce you to William Bradford Shockley. I already. Oh, I, I need to do more. Okay. <laughs> I already hate the name Bradford. He does have a very. He does have a very like. Uh, I'm in charge name, uh, and that goes with his character. So William Bradford Shockley Jr. was war uh, was uh, born in February 13th, 1910. Um, he died in August of 1989. So. Thank goodness the dude's dead. Uh, his father was a mining engineer, so this is one of those people who helps design and function mine, which is actually a pretty decently hard job keeping all that rock up without killing people. So important job. Um, he grew up in Palo Alto, California, and he received a PhD in physics from MIT of no uh, of uh, you know, I mean I'm sure it's a, a schooling of note. I mean it's it's got all caps. Uh, and that was in 1936. In 1963, he became a professor of electrical engineering at Stanford. Now, that happened after a lot of his um, being an asshole, which is weird that Stanford would hire him after being uh, the person he was. So just some basic stuff about him, because he, he was a sort of normal guy uh, outside of being a total dick. Shockley was an accomplished rock climber. He was awfully, uh, often going to the Shogunuks in uh, Hudson River Valley. It's a, a set of cliffs. Um, he pioneered a route there over the Hudson River Valley um, that people still use today. They call it Shockley's Ceiling. And he was a very popular lecturer, and he dabbled even in magic. He was an amateur magician. Interesting. Um, yep. Once, use, once using prestidigitation, uh, he produced a bouquet of roses at the end of one of his speeches at the American uh, Physical Society. I like him a little better now. Yeah. It, well, it's all a bluff. Don't worry. We're getting into why <laughs> you should hate him. Um, he even had a flair for elaborate practical jokes. Um, he did those to his colleagues all the time. He sounds like a pretty nice guy, right? Like you just read this first part and you're like, all right, this guy's, you know, he's whatever. He's like a cool grandpa. Right? Yeah. A magician. All right. I'm listening. Okay. Well, to set you up as to why Shockley is such a terrible person, I would like to ask you, Dustin, what is a transistor? Um, corn sings about it being twisted. That's about all I know. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, unfortunately, corn <laughs> had it wrong. If you twist a transistor, it will explode. Oh. Uh, but a, basically, a transistor is an electrical component that allows you to amplify or block the flow of electricity. Now, this is super important because it requires an immensely small amount of voltage and current on the, basically the flow controlling pin to allow energy to pass through and be amplified by the other pin. Um, now, this is important because 
before there was the transistor, we had the vacuum tube. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what a vacuum tube is, they were big and bulky. They were big, like of the size of light bulbs and a little bit smaller, somewhere down to about the size of your thumb, somewhere bigger than your head. And they were specific function devices uh, that worked a lot, a lot of the similar way of how transistors nowadays work, but they had very specific functions in mind and they were built to do that. Unfortunately, they pulled a ton of voltage, a ton of current. They were super hot and super fragile. Are these the same tubes that you'd find in like tube amplifiers for guitars? Yes, exactly the same. Um, in fact, my, my dad is uh, a hobby restorationist of tube radios. And uh, I've seen some of the tubes he has in there, and they are insane. And uh, actually, there is a prototype X-ray vacuum tube at our museum here in town. Interesting. It's, a, it's about as big as a beach ball. Hot damn. Yeah. And so why are transistors important? Well, I mean, everything uses a transistor. Um, in fact, we wouldn't have the microchip and the microprocessor without transistors because the components within those microchips are actually just hundreds upon thousands of transistor-like functions on one little piece of circuit. Right? So huge deal. Resistors are freaking important. Okay? Okay. So some backstory. After the end of World War II, Bell Laboratories uh, started a wing devoted to solid-state physics, which basically means no moving parts, uh, flow of electrons only. Okay? All right. Um, Shockley was placed at the head of that wing, overseeing um, a lot of people, but most importantly, two men, John Bardeen and Walter Bratton. Um, he was kind of the head of, of that wing, and their one and only mission, Dustin, was to replace hot, inefficient, and bulky vacuum tubes with a smaller semiconductor. All right. Pretty cool, right? Sounds like a dream job. You got supplies. Edit, fucking Edison style, man. Massive <laughs> inventor lab supplies. Uh, bitches, I'm assuming. Um, I don't mean like women. I mean like female dogs just everywhere running around. Oh, nice. And, I uh, love you know, dogs. All kinds of cool shit. Oscilloscopes and whatnot. Actually, they didn't have... I mean, oscilloscopes were huge because they were vacuum tube fed also at that point anyway i mean, I mean so uh, imagine if you were thrown into that position like right now someone's like we have this fucking awesome lab we have any sort of instrument you could need we have all sorts of organic and inorganic matter invent something cool i'd be like i don't yeah. know uh try to put it in something smaller <laughs> well and see that's the thing bell labs actually told him hey because there was a lot of people with theories about how this might work shockley included um, but Bell Labs was like, okay, make a tiny one. Yeah, um, right. not the size isn't specifically what they were after. They were after at that point more so just increased efficiency because vacuum tubes, you, vacuum tubes get so hot you can burn yourself and light wood on fire with them. They are extremely hot. So Shockley's first ideas um, that the lab worked on were based uh, on his ideas of external electrified fields uh, or using external electrified fields to affect a semiconductor. So basically the field. Uh, that affects the flow of electrons is coming from the outside of the component. Uh, in fact, Shockley claims that his first working concept, quote unquote, for the transistor, a junction-based design, um, was in 1939 in his personal lab book. Uh, but all of these failed; these ideas failed to function despite setup or material. So the theory was there, but nothing would work in a practical setting. Hmm. So this. This continued until Bardeen suggested a new theory that he was working on of a of uh, basically the idea of blocking fields from affecting the semi 
conductor. Basically the opposite of Shockley's idea, right? Gotcha. Uh, after this, their work improved. They started to actually get working bench tops for, for the idea. Uh, and eventually a patent application was created based on Bardeen and Bratton's point contact design. Um, other patent applications covered electrolyte-based designs, uh, also by Bardeen, Bratton, and another researcher called Ro- uh, Robert Gidney. Gibney, sorry. Um, so these, these dudes were figuring it out. They were working. They were getting it fucking done. They're like, we're going to make, we're going to make a, well, they just called it a semiconductor at that point, but they're like, we have holes in, you know, theoretical matter. We're going to shove electrons through them, and then people are going to watch porn on their phone. <laughs> done. Mic drop. These dudes were on it. We would not have our mobile porn hub without these guys. Just think, <laughs> think about that, everyone. How important is your mobile porn hub? You no. know? Yeah, I remember the first time I looked at porn on my phone, it was like, it was on an HTC Touch. <laughs> Ooh. Mine was on a flip-open book-style phone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, now, here is where Shockley begins being a dick. Now, let's remember, Shockley is the head of this wing. This made Shockley super pissed that they were having working benchtop designs and that they were having a patent put in under their names as the inventor. Uh, because he had the dream of being the first inventor of the transistor, and he was leader of the group at that point. Uh, he even went to Bell Labs and bitched at them. Like, no joke, went to the higher-ups off- offices and bitched them out, um, saying that he wanted to be credited as sole inventor of yeah. their transistor design. That sounds like um, that sounds like an Edison thing. Yeah, Maybe. exactly. He he was just like, mine. this is mine. I, I was I in charge. Uh, it's mine. I imagine that's how he looked. He he sounded like I should have brought you a picture. This guy looks like an asshole. You just look <laughs> at his face and you just want to hit him. But yeah, so he he went in, he was bitching to get credit for something that yes, he was in charge of, but none of his designs worked. These were Bratton and Bardeen's idea. Right. And they functioned on a bench top. They were at that point what was called breakable. So when you go to patent something, they test if it's breakable, which means that it may not actually function in the real world, but they did have working bench tops. Hmm. Um, just a lot of limitations with those. So luckily, Bell Labs, to get the head of their transistor wing to like shut the fuck up, they did put him on as a co inventor. So he still got something he didn't do. Yeah, that's very Edison right there. Yeah. Now, admittedly, Shockley did later create a better version of the transistor, which was hardier, so it, it, could, it was you know, capable of handling more current. Uh, but the, re- the idea that he had that created that new uh, resistor or transistor was really just a reworked version of the vacuum tube designs he worked on before. Hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't really a new idea. It was a repurposed idea. However, even though it was a reworked version of vacuum tubes that he was familiar with, most of the things that made the damn thing work were based on Bratton and Bardeen's research that they did with Shockley and submitted. Uh, and submitted. So he, he still took information from them. And he took information from them for, you know, to get this benchtop of this new transistor type to work. He worked on it alone, in secret, on time. And guess what? He took it through Bell Labs to their patent office with solely his name on it, even though uh, Bratton and Bardeen did originally help with that exact idea. What a chode. Yeah. So, so far, this guy has 
stolen two. I'm just gonna say he stole two patents because you know he he took research from one and he claimed research on another. So he's just kind of an asshole who who he had a dream of being the first, then he wasn't. So now he's just being a fucking crybaby, going around and going to his bosses and wanting credit for something he didn't do. Hmm. And and this is this is taking place, you know, in in the really early '60s. So this this douchebag is in a time of you know technological advancement, and you know we're we're becoming you know uh, the the age of you know like te- technological renovation or uh, uh, renaissance is about to hit. And this guy's like, where I didn't get credit for something I wanted to be a part of. <laughs> What a fucking dick. I'm doing good things too. <laughs> that's that's what he sounds like. <laughs> and the more the even more fucked up part about that is him taking that information and that design and going to the patent office, getting sole inventorship of that transistor design happened only four weeks after the Bardeen Bratton patent. Mm. He just, you know, he did it intentionally so that they did not have time to be part of it. So um, I, I don't know uh, it, it, anyone out, out there who's worked in a lab environment. You might know this takes a lot of work to do that. By the way, he needs like lab notebooks that are witnessed and signed by date. Right. Um, he needs time and materials away from people. It was a pretty big feat to do this. So that even more shows how much of a dick he is because he was willing to take his own time and effort to fuck these other guys over. And it sounds like it was stuff he wasn't supposed to be doing. Anyway, right? It was sort of he kind of yeah he he was supposed to be doing it technically, but yeah, no one can see it. But I'm doing like a eh, yeah, <laughs> yes and no. Uh, so Shockley later went on to write this uh, big old thesis called "Electrons and Holes in Semiconductors," which became the go-to for other semiconductors or for any other semiconductor researchers later on. So people looking to advance the transistor technology even more. Um, and it also led to the invention of the bipolar junction transvi- transistor. So that means that bipolar means it flips both ways. It's a, you know, it's, it's a bisexual transistor. Yeah, it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Shockley aggravated and alienated uh, Bratton and Bardeen so much they essentially were barred from working on any further transistor studies or uh, you know other you know semiconductor uh, projects overseen by Shockley so they just fucking went on to other projects um, <laughs> one of them straight up left Bell Labs and then the other stayed on but would not work with Shockley at all so these dudes lost out on being part of history um, yeah. or at least a more noted part of history because this asshole just drove them out uh, of the wing, he was aggressive. He was micromanaging. He, you know, he was a straight up fucking thief and fraud. Just, just such a bitch. <laughs> yeah, butthole. So um, soon after all that, so transistors been invented. Good transistors are going through. Um, actually, the Japanese uh, and Sony specifically were the ones responsible for transistors taking off because everyone was so familiar with vacuum tubes that no one really cared when the transistor came out. They didn't think it was worth it, but um, the Japanese market and Sony saw a usefulness of the tiny, tiny components, and they actually were the first ones. Sony, Sony made the first handheld FM radio, uh, and that's when it exploded. Everyone's like, holy shit, transistors are great! Nice. It's, they're so small, and they don't light my house on fire, and they don't burn the cat when he sleeps in the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all good things. Yeah. 
Uh, so soon Shockley moved to Mountain View, California, and started Shockley Semiconductor because you know he's fucking uh, he's fucking fraud notoriety now. Why not be fucking rich too, right? But his company ended up just bleeding money and failing due to Shockley's obsession with focusing all attention and resources on only his ideas, whether they worked or not. Uh, also, he was an asshole who drove employees away. He was notoriously aggressive. He was mean. And he was a really, really, really stubborn micromanager. Like, he'd walk over to your desk and be like, no, you're not working on that. You're working on this. You need to work on this right now. <laughs> He's apparently also Beetlejuice. Yeah, that's what I was going nice to say. Fucking tra- nice fucking transistor. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know who he pissed off, by the way? I would love to know. Okay, so Shockley pissed off a specific eight uh, or a set of eight people at his company. Julius Blank, Victor Greenwich, Gene Horney, Eugene Kleiner, Jay Last, Gordon Moore, Robert Noyce, and Sheldon Roberts. They left and they formed Fairchild Semiconductor, which is still a leading semiconductor company today. Noyce. Robert Noyce. Noyce. And speaking <laughs> of Noyce, good old Robert Noyce and Gordon Moore went on to found Intel. Wow. Yeah. Really smart, talented, useful people. And fucking Shockley was so much of a dick, they left. They had nothing to do with him. They're like, fuck this guy. We're making our own fucking worldwide business. Suck a dick, Shockley. I mean, there, there, isn't, there really isn't a greater motivator than revenge. And I think, I think we've seen that in both Shockley and Edison. People that just want to get away from him and create something greater. Yeah, people with a little bit of money and a little bit of partnering could have made massive booming industries that these people could have been part of, and they decided to just shove them away. It's very Edison, very shockly. So these guys are like peas, peas in a fucking pod so far. Yeah, they're like balls in a ball sack. Yeah, and speaking of them being peas in a pod, um, a lot like Edison inadvertently inventing Hollywood, because Shockley went around trying to sell transistors so much and got so many technological people interested in the area he was in with his semiconductor company in California, he invented Silicon Valley. Everyone flooded there for tech companies. So as much as Edison created Hollywood, Shockley invented Silicon Valley. Back in the 60s. Yeah. Wow. It started up. That's that's when shit started booming, bro. I love booms, bro. Okay, so so I'm going to take a pause right here, and I'm going to ask you, Dustin, straight up, how much of a dick do you think this guy is? I'm not asking you to assign inches yet, just on a normal thing. This guy's, what do you, what do you think of him as a dick? I mean, he's a, I'm trying to picture myself working with him, and it makes me want to harm him physically. Yeah. Well, do you want to hurt him further? Yes, I would Because here's the thing that'll make you not want to just hit him, but fucking murder the asshole. All right. Do you know what eugenics are? Um, or eugenics is, gonna technically? Ma- going to make me sound stupid. I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a, around a lot today. It got squashed pretty good in the 70s and 80s. All right. Okay. Eugenics is the idea that some races are genetically superior to others. Oh. Uh, this, was, this was actually originally based on a semi-positive idea of uh advancing humanity through specific breeding um popularized by uh francis galton um way way back when but right after he came up with the idea the nazis took it so of course 
<laughs> the Nazis were like, well, breed out anyone that we don't feel is Aryan. Um, oh, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah, really bad, <laughs> right? So eugenics at this point in history, uh, Shockley's point in history, is a horrible thing. This, and unfortunately, it got aimed at the black population almost specifically. It, that started out in uh, kind of like the, the Wild West days. Um, and it really is true. Uh, that's why so many video games in the wildest area, era make fun of it and things like that. It was huge then. Um, while, while, you know, obviously in times of slavery and then later when, you know, slavery was abolished, but there was still a huge, you know, I'm just going to say it, fucked up white people causing problems. Sure. Is basically what it was. So eugenics kept going. It kept alive. Uh, with this idea that um, black people shouldn't breed and white people are just better. That's, that's, uh, you can just take that from eugenics. Well, Shockley's a fucking eugenicist. <laughs> um, even though he was a phys- physicist and not a geneticist, he had zero genetics training, Shockley began a personal campaign to spread his ideas that IQ and intellectual capability was purely genetic and white people were just naturally smarter than black people. Wow. What a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'd, I'd say so. Okay. Uh, in fact, he was he wrote so much about this. He did so many lux- lec- lectures about eugenics. Uh, what we he, he called dysgenics. Um, an author by the name of Roger Pearson put together his writings uh, into uh, a book called Shockley on Eugenics and Race: The Application of Science to the Solution of Human Problems. Oh my God! Right. That just that title is fucking racist as shit, and especially this day and age. You know, I that uh, one of the reasons I wanted to pull this guy up right now is a lot of this stuff is on the forefront. People are actually paying attention to this right now. This piece of shit tried to use bullshit science to make people believe that there were that, that there were humane and human reasons for wanting to detriment the population. Of black people, yeah. That's almost that's how awful this fucking human being is. It makes me feel honestly terrible to be the race that I am. I feel you, especially especially these days, you know. Yeah, like this guy makes people like you and me look bad. Yeah. Um, he spoke about what he called retrogressive evolution, so basically reverse evolution, uh, due to, as he claims, the rapid reproduction of the intellectually inferior black population. Dang. He felt that the best solution was to remove the welfare system from the U.S. and replace it, replace it with an incentive plan for genetically disadvantaged races to volunteer, voluntarily sterilize and get paid. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I can't believe I've never heard of this guy. That's insane. Well, like I said, they've been trying to erase him from history. People just want him gone. Oh, man. Right? That is a goddamn Hitler theory. Yeah. Is what that is. <laughs> in 1974 uh during a televised interview about eugenics uh or as he was calling them dysgenics shockley explained how black farmers and rural workers were breeding faster than white college graduates claiming that he based his numbers on the u.s census data as far as like their education and breeding rate but here's the problem with that okay this is happening in 1974 this interview Okay. Yeah. The census only takes place every ten years, and Shockley, being a scientist and needing good data sources, we can assume he took numbers from more than one census. I I think it's pretty fair to assume, right? Yeah. Well, let's take a look on what happened between 1950 and 1970, and far as far as uh, racial inequality. 
1954 saw the end of segregation in schools, so that just happened. Still a shit ton of racism in our schools. Yeah. 1955, Rosa Parks uh, refused to give up her seat uh, on the bus. Uh, 1967, all states finally recognized interracial marriage. That's 1967. That is late in human history. It sure and is. And in yeah. 1968, Martin Luther King was assassinated. I feel you, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's just not a lot you can say. He's so awful so he's basing he's basing his data on on black people being less educated and in his opinion less intelligent um and breeding faster based on where they were that census data but that census data is capturing people who were forced into lives like this they weren't allowed to go to school they weren't allowed to go to college they weren't allowed to be in politics they weren't allowed to be doctors businessmen he's taking bullshit data and he is applying social data to genetics. Yeah, this guy is a piece of shit. Yeah. Absolute piece of shit. And uh, to show you how much of a piece of shit he is, I actually have a sound bite of the motherfucker. You want to hear this thing? I do. So this is that 1974 interview. He is being interviewed by a, by a, um, by, I'm, I'm, uh, by a, a woman who, who is black. Um, and uh, that was apparently the reason he went on this show. There's not a lot of information about this particular interview. I tried to find the woman's name and I couldn't find it. But she asked him a very straightforward question. Dr. Shockley, I think that um, in all fairness, you should explain to the audience why it is that you have, first of all, you have a very large segment of the black population who are uh, on farms, who are deprived in cities. Why don't you explain at the time that you're showing this, why, who is keeping black people in a situation like they're in? I mean, it could be, you could turn it around the other way where you could have very large numbers of black people who are exposed to educational opportunities like white people who are exposed to housing, who are exposed, exposed to health facilities. Why don't you explain that at the same time that you put well, figures I'm like sure that? Sure, you would explain it uh, no, but to I Dr. Think Welsing, it's important but uh, one must say first are. things first. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, you've raised the basic question there. So I don't know if you heard that, but she even tries to say excuse me to get him to stop talking and he just fucking filibusters over her. And that asshole sidestepped the question. But you know what? It's okay that he sidestepped the question because he does defend it by saying that black children stand up and walk earlier and their eyesight is better. Oh, and the Nazis were misunderstood. <laughs> oh, by the way, <laughs> just, just so you're aware, the Nazis, yeah. you know. No, no joke. Uh, people, look up that interview. Uh, it, is, it is William Shockley on race, IQ, and eugenics. It's on YouTube. It's a very enlightening interview to show you how ridiculous uh he is and no joke though those things about uh about babies standing up faster and eyesight being better and then the nazis being misunderstood those are literally his next comments after interrupting that interviewer i believe it also yeah. i have to say after listening to that and knowing the backstory of shockley i fucking love that the thumbnail that it somehow picked for that is cat williams Yes, why is that? Why did it pick? And if you notice, my thing says Shockley being racist, and it pulls up Cat Williams live. Uh, I love it. That's, yeah, that is, people, that is not me. That is Windows auto-searching metadata to put a background on my audio file. <laughs> Cat <laughs> Williams so, live, so let nutshell, a play a play. <laughs> so in a nutshell, that is my William Shockley. That is my dick. You got a big dick there, man. That's a nice fucking chode. Yeah. 
I, I'm thinking this guy, um, I don't think he beats Edison by much. Because Edison, like, continuously stole shit and was an asshole. And I'm just going to assume he was racist, too. Just because of when it was. Um, but, you know, so I, I'm thinking Shockley's, like, nine and a quarter saw. I'll agree with you there. I think, I think to me, the thing that, that got to me the most was Edison unnecessarily killing animals. And, like, especially after seeing the elephant, I gotta say... Like, how do you do that on a regular basis just to prove a point? Even though it's the wrong point, even though AC was obviously superior, he it was just all about making money, and he, you know, yeah. So it's hard to that say is, they're they're both huge, huge dicks. But I think I got that is true. I got to well, give it to I, Edison. I I, I kind of like your point, Ed, Edison. You know, I mean, my guy, yes, he was a racist and a and a fraud and a thief, but. I mean, Edison straight up killed shit. Just like you said, like he, he voluntarily and happily murdered living creatures um, for a buck. I mean, Shockley, Shockley was out to get rich, but he never really made it. His company failed. Um, so, man, it, it's hard. It's hard for me. I mean, we have, we have a guy who is like one step short of being a fucking serial killer. Yeah. And another guy who's basically like little Hitler. <laughs> yeah like uh edison talking to the state like well you know if some of those people you got in the prison there uh you can just use alternating current and just end it for them then and there yeah <laughs> i know is is that worse though than saying well if you're of a race that's not white We'll pay you to cut your balls off. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's hard to say. Yeah. And did you notice Shockley's comment with that interviewer saying, why, why can't you explain to me where those numbers are? You know, show us the numbers from, you know, black people who had a good education, had good access to medical, things like that. And, and he interrupts her saying, like, oh, I'm sure you can explain it better than me. Like, which is such an underhanded racist comment. Yeah. Why don't, why, don't, why don't you tell me about that? Yeah. You should watch the interview, too. He has, uh, he has a folder with, like, numbers written down of, like, you know, bre- breeding amounts per year and, like, oh, my God. And he calls it, bre- he calls it breeding. <laughs> These black yeah. people are out here breeding. <laughs> that's what I should say. I'm not using that word because that's how I feel. That's from Shockley. Shockley calls it breeding. Yeah. He, he does, of course, refer to his white people breeding also, but he calls it breeding. They are. Not- <laughs> not you know bearing children not creating families breeding <laughs> they be out here breeding <laughs> i do want to quickly share a clip from uh family guy just thomas edison being a dick uh, what's that? What's that thing you're working on? Well, it's a light bulb. And- a light bulb! Light bulb! I invented that! Me! I'm Thomas Edison. I invented the light bulb. Uh, what to do? It lights up a room using electrical... Lights up a room using electrical stuff! I was about to say that because I invented it. Uh, what are you working on? It's a phonograph. Phonograph! I knew that because I invented it. I'm Thomas Edison. <laughs> I rule! Look it up. Edison was a dick. <laughs> so he absolutely was a dick by the way he really really was well did you want to uh do closing comments and then do an outro 
Uh, yeah, and I, I also I uh, have an honorable mention, or as we might refer to them in the future, honorable unmentionables. And mine nomination goes to the one and only Pablo Escobar, which I'm sure you're aware uh, was an, an infamous drug lord in Colombia. Um, and he invented fantasy football. What? <laughs> so it, it's different than fantasy football today, slightly, but uh, it was soccer. So Colombian football. It's still football. It's yeah. still football. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, back in the day, he would host drafts and people would draft fantasy teams out of all the football players and bet on it. He, he was the father of what is now modern fantasy football. Ooh. Well, thank you, Pablo. Thanks, Pablo. <laughs> thank you, Pop. Pop. Thanks, Pobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Biggest Dicks in History podcast. Uh, I'm Dustin. And I am William. And next time on the Biggest Dicks in History, you might look forward to actors. That are dicks. Ooh, dick actors. <laughs> uh, and you can't pick anyone from porn. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Those are the only dick actors I know. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, shoot us an email if you want. Dustin, what's that email? Oh, fuck me. Uh, it's, uh,. I forget. I think it's biggestdicks at gmail.com. Biggest... Is it? <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll, uh... Yeah, we'll figure it out. And don't send us dick pics. <laughs> no dick pics. Boobs are welcome. Yeah, send your boobs. Send us your boobs. Biggest dicks in history.